broadcasting live from the Georgia World Congress Center at the Training 2012 Conference and Expo. Here are your Business Radio X hosts, Lee Cantor and Stone Payton. Mr. Stone, a busy, busy morning and now into an afternoon here at the World Congress Center. How are you doing? I am doing well, but we're going to have to clock in now. You know, we got away with kind of a nice, easy pace this morning. Yep. Now we're going to have to clock in. They've got interview after interview lined up for us. And this segment is, uh, this, this is going to set the bar very high. We have with us the CLO, the Chief Learning Officer with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Mr. Larry Mole. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, your reputation proceeds. You're at least Uh-oh. out of your organization. And uh, having a daughter as a gymnast, of course, I've visited. Uh, you <laughs> spent a lot of time there. Uh, before. So you are the chief learning officer. I've always wanted to ask this question of someone that may, may very well know how to answer it. What really is a learning culture? Um, well, thanks for the question, Stone. And it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for the invite today. And, um, you know, we think of a learning culture as uh, an organization um, that uh, enables and really helps to uh, foster learning in every corner of the universe, if you will, of the organization. And um, people in the organization feel motivated, inspired, engaged uh, to continuously learn for the good of themselves and even more for the good of the company. Now, are there some cultures that they don't have learning cultures? They say, you know what? We don't want a learning culture here. <laughs> right, right. No learning. I mean, who wakes up in the morning, right, and says, we don't want a learning culture, right? Well, and I, I think what's interesting about it is that if you think about learning, there's a couple different forms of learning. So let's talk about that real quick. You know, there's the kind of learning, which I guess I would call training, which is more about, you know, there's a skill that you want everybody to learn, and we know what it is, and, and it's just a matter of getting people to, to learn it and do it. That's one form. The second form is really creating new things. So I'd like to talk more about companies who are trying to create new things. And what's interesting about it is that there's a lot of weird dilemmas that take place when you're trying to create new things. And the way that we're brought up in school and the way that we behave in companies is almost uh, opposite for what we want to create when we're trying to create new things. Now, are you seeing learning, uh, the, like a learning culture, take place more in the business world, or do you think that schools are preparing uh, the younger people t- to learn? Because it, it, to me, it seems that that business is leading this more than uh, education. Well, I think businesses definitely have a, a bigger stake in the game in terms of what they perceive immediate rewards. And I would say, in my humble opinion, that our school systems are trying very hard to create a culture of learning. Um, but in a lot of ways, at least in the Western con- culture, we're set up in, in terms of a system that things are either right or they're wrong. And people who take risks and try new things um, sometimes aren't rewarded for right. those for those risks that they take. And in a lot of times in companies, um, there's a dilemma that people face that they want good results but the process of getting good results is actually pretty messy. Well, I can pretty well get my arms around the idea of you and some other smart, passionate, probably well-compensated people in the conference room designing your culture. But to me, it's got to be a completely different thing to engage a critical mass of employees. Speak to that a little bit, if you will. Absolutely. And what's interesting about it is, I don't know about you guys, but I know very few people who wake up in the morning and come into work and say, today's the day I'm going to mess everything up. I mean, this is it. This is my day. I'm going to make I call that Tuesday. That's Tuesday for you. I got it. 
Um, but, you know, where I work anyway, people usually are inherently motivated and are actually wired to inspire themselves and others around them to make things better. So the job of the organization is in a lot of ways to unlock this inherent motivation that people really do have to make things better to learn new skills, to master new things, to make their company and their lives better, and really to unlock that really at that ground level. And so a lot of times what we need to help leaders do is to do a couple really critical things that helps unlock that really potential that exists in an organization. So what kinds of things are you helping your employees learn, and what kinds of things, if any, are they coming to you and saying, hey, boss, we want to learn this, this, and that? Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that you're trying to do is to create a very um, specific and authentic view of where we are as an organization or a department and where we want to be. So creating this kind of creative tension that lives in an organization by not faking it. In other words, by not saying we're there if we're not there. People really just want to know the truth about where we are as an organization, where we want to go, and what does that gap look like. The more clear we can be about that explaining that to employees and helping them then to figure out what can they do with their skills? What do they want to learn in terms of getting better as a, as a person, again, as an employee, so that they can help actually close the gap? People really like to do that. They like to contribute to the team. They like to contribute to the organization. They're just wondering, wow, you know, how can I do that? Where can I apply my skills? Now, is this a top-down strategy where you're kind of dictating this is how we learn and this is what we learn, or is there kind of a dialogue? It's very much of a dialogue, and, and, and it's less about learning styles. It's more about... Uh, people having a clear sense of what's needed in an organization and how they can personally benefit. And sometimes it's actually flipping the, the uh, equation upside down and asking people, what are you really good at that you're not able to make happen? I mean, why do you go home and work on all this stuff for free <laughs> right. when you could be doing it for us? Right. And by tapping into the inherent, again, things that really affirm people's skills and their talents and their strengths. We spend way too much time in companies talking about what people aren't good at. The problem is strengths are things that are like air. You only notice it. You only notice air when you can't breathe, right? Right, right. right. when you don't have it. Right. So, I mean, have you ever got a performance review where somebody said, here's the 10 things you do really great. I don't really want to talk about the stuff you're not very good at. That just doesn't happen, right? So it's time for us to start focusing on these strengths, and that's what leaders need to start to do is to really deploy strengths and build strengths because especially the next generation, that's what they're looking to do. They're so, looking to build So you think it's a better strategy to kind of maximize strengths than to kind of shore up weaknesses? I do. I really believe that there are key situations where there are weaknesses that are absolutely important for a role. And if the person cannot build those uh, those talents, then it's probably a bad role. Right. That's a different question than focusing all your energy on your on your weaknesses. So, what kind of role is technology, distributed learning, all this newfangled, uh, these gizmos? Is it having an impact on the way that you design and deliver your training? You know, that's a it's a really interesting question. I think when you start to think about technology and its role in organizations, um, one of the really interesting roles I had once in a previous life was at Motorola where I was the head of knowledge management for Motorola. Isn't that a cool term? So they didn't have learning cool there. Heck, what does that mean? <laughs> That's was... what I want to be at Business Radio X. The head I mean, of knowledge so people, management. Yeah, he used to come into my job and say, so you're the one with all the knowledge? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't think so. It's like um, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> exactly. Pay no attention to me. That's for sure behind the curtain. But what I saw my role as was how do we figure out how to stew the pot of knowledge in the organization? And what technology has been able to do is prevent provide 
a platform to make, you know, this knowledge, this information much more transparent. Now, what I'll say on a caveat, though, is that what we found through um, trial and error was that uh, one of the famous lines that a friend of mine said to me once was, knowledge equals information plus people. Mm-hmm. So you only trust it as knowledge when it comes from somebody you trust. So what we found was we actually needed to make the people, the social part of social media, it's like, where's the social anymore, right? Everybody talks about the technology. This is why I fundamentally believe that folks in HR should run social media because they could actually work on social stuff. But um, but it is about these inherent dilemmas of having people feel uh, that they can share their knowledge, that they'll get rewarded for sharing their knowledge, that um, and it's safe, right? It's they have to feel to that, that it's safe that they're not going to get fired for you know exactly. pushing the envelope a little exactly. and failing. Exactly, and I use the analogy a lot of in organizations because I have a, a little bit of a music background between a jazz ensemble and an orchestra. And organizations just really don't like jazz ensembles because they mm-hmm. sound either really good or really, <laughs> really bad, bad. <laughs> right? And so if you don't have enough jazz ensembles, that's what knowledge sharing is. That's what learning is. That's what inventing is. It's allowing enough jazz ensembles. Focus like we want you to write a song or do a song, and it kind of needs to be like this, but you guys go. And then once the jazz ensembles made it sound bad and good, and it can be handed off to the orchestra to be implemented. But a lot of times, um, you so know, that's like a laboratory almost, that. right? Exactly. And certain organizations have gotten very good with this, and and certain haven't because their value proposition is much more about operational excellence, and so they have a harder time not making everything perfect to begin with. And um, for anybody who does creative work out there, they know it doesn't actually work that way. So how will you invest your time at this conference and expo? What does the chief learning officer of Children's Healthcare of Atlanta need to try to get out of this thing? Yeah, that's a, a, what a great question. It's really about, for me, it's really the ability to network with a, a lot of my peers that um, reestablishing old relationships and making new relationships. And um, in my head, I've kind of got some things that I'm looking for in terms of um, certain areas of, of emphasis around leadership development really around the idea of how do you create a culture that positively affirms people. That's a, that's a big one right now because we know from surveys that are done in engagement and satisfaction that the number one issue for retention has to do with our ability to just say what we like about each other. There's an idea. <laughs> it's a scary what thing. A- I know. I know. But for some reason, we're just really shy with it. And, and I'm trying to get under that a little bit. So I'm trying to talk to people who are put in these kind of good, I guess I'll call them affirmation strategies. Let's call them that. So it sounds like um, the skills from kindergarten are important nowadays. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about everything I learned in kindergarten. And it's also, I think I was talking to one of my daughters the other day. And I think everything I learned by riding the bus to school, I think is another book waiting to be written. So, because, so maybe that's you know. the the strategy is when you're onboarding new people, you just drive around in a school bus. I, you learn everything you need to learn and who to stay away from and that's who to right. hang out with. Right. That's I mean, how that's you onboard them. It. You go, we pick you up in a school bus that's <laughs> oh, how, that's for perfect. the first month. Hey, that <laughs> might work. I like that. Well, what a treat having you visit with us this afternoon. Thank you so much for coming down. Larry Mole with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the time. We'll be right back from the floor of the Georgia World Congress Center and the Training Conference and Expo 2012. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros. Timely, targeted, trusted Training Pros. Learn more at training-pros.com. 